Hi, my name is David Siegler and welcome to my podcast. Hi everyone, David here and um, I've had a few questions recently that I thought uh, you might be interested to know the answer to. In particular, this question has shone through from some of our friends who have done the deal packaging training and uh, that is, David, I'm new, I'm doing it for the first time, how do I price a potential refurbishment on a house that I've sourced for an, for an investor. How do I do it? I've never done it before. So if you're a new deal packager, this is one of the questions I hear all the time from friends who are just starting out on their career. David, how do I work out the price of refurbishment costs when I'm viewing a house? So I see this question very often. Sometimes our friends would ask it out there in uh, property land on the Facebook forums uh, where all the property people live. And very often from someone who's really, really trying to be helpful, let's be fair, the answer will come back, take a builder with you, get them to do the estimate. Uh, very good advice. But the problem with this is that you do not know if you're going to be offering on the house at this point. Right, you're just doing the viewing, right? Um, you might do 20 or 30 viewings before you find a property to make an offer on. And it's just not a real world solution to ask a builder to accompany you through all of those viewings when uh, A, uh, he might finish up with no work at the end of it, and B, they've probably got other work to get on with, right? So uh, they're just not going to do it. It's just not real. So you have to develop a skill of working out the costs of the refurbishment for yourself. Now, this is important. It's really, really important. The skill, and this comes with experience, and I understand you're not experienced, but we all have to start somewhere. But the skill is to be able to work out how much needs to be spent on the property in order to bring it up to good, lettable condition. Condition where you can let it to a tenant, and it's a good quality, clean, safe, dry accommodation. That's what you need. And only when you have an idea of what's required and the cost of the work to get it to that level, can you then work out what the house is worth. Only when you've worked out what the house is worth, can you then calculate the offer. And in turn, only then can you, you know, once you've calculated the offer, that you're offering your investor great value when they buy the house. So the issue is you've never done this before. So I'm going to give you an easy process so that you can get this right. And even if you're not 100% accurate at the beginning, don't worry, you will still be able to put some sensible numbers together that will work for your investor and uh, will put in a margin of error so that if you get it wrong, it won't wreck the deal. Stay with me, team. This is where we're going. So the first thing you need is some kind of viewing spreadsheet. Now, um, a viewing spreadsheet is basically a list that you can apply on a room-by-room -room basis. And it allows you to record exactly what the condition of the room is that you're viewing at that particular time. Now, you can make a viewing spreadsheet yourself just on your laptop. All you've got to do is make sure that you include every single item you're likely to find um, in that room that has potential for needing attention or repair. If you do this on your laptop on your own, of course, that resource is going to be free. But also what you might consider doing is to sign up for any of the multiple online resources that will provide you with the information you need. Now, many of these viewing checklist 
purposes. Um, I'm trying to think of one while I'm speaking. We use Snap Inspect. Snap Inspect is a great tool. It really is. And Snap Inspect, like uh, some of the similar resources, will give you access for a 30-day trial for free. 30-day trial for free. Team, take the 30-day trial. During the 30 days, I highly recommend that you undertake several viewings so that you familiarize yourself with what is required uh, so that you can go in many circumstances to any given room of the house, whether it's a bedroom, a kitchen or bathroom, and work out what is required. At the end of the 30 days trial, you then have a choice. You can continue with that report provider on a paid subscription basis if you're going to do a lot of viewings, I would recommend this. This is something we do, and we, we, we're delighted, actually, at the service uh, and the flexibility of our online provider, and we think it's a really reasonable cost. But if you're right at the start of your deal packaging journey, then you might feel that after having looked at what's available, at the very least, you're better prepared to put your own free inspection spreadsheet together. Now, how do you use the online resource sufficiently to get all the information you need during the 30-day period so that you can put your own spreadsheet together? In other words, how do you know what you're going to do enough viewings in the first 30 days to extract all the information you need? Well, just do what I did. In the early days, in order to practice putting together an inspection report, I carried out an inspection on my house, my brother's house, my mum's house, my friend's house. You're beginning to get the picture, right? Uh, by the time you've completed half a dozen inspections, you will be so much better prepared to do an inspection for real, out in the real world. And you'll start to feel so much more confident about the process. Now, a typical room in a property you're going to view might look like this. I'll start in the living room. So the flooring might be old and worn, normally in orange and brown with squirrely patterns. It might be in American shag pile carpet, very popular in the 1970s and 80s. To uh, coordinate with it, there is an unpleasant wallpaper. Um, it might really have looked on trend and fashionable at the time. Uh, I suspect it didn't, uh, and, but it needs to come off the walls today. And then to finish the look, there's a rather grubby Artex ceiling from the 1980s. It used to be all the rage it did, especially the one with the semicircle comb pattern. Thing about the comb pattern, it's always a decorator's nightmare. I mean, even when it was new, because... To get a decent paintbrush finish on it, you had to follow the pattern of the comb lines. It took hours. It did. I mean, I tried it once. I tried it once in our new home in 1982, where the main bedroom had this pattern Artex in place, combs. Now, the lovely Mrs. Siegler decided that the ceiling at that point had a white matte finish, and she would like to have a white satin finish the cutting edge of a decorative choice at the time, if I don't mind me saying so. So I volunteered. I gamely set about the task on a do-it-yourself basis. I moved the furniture about. I covered the furniture with crisp, new polystyrene dust sheets. 
especially purchased for the task from our local DIY superstore. Texas Home Care no longer exists today. And I launched myself up the ladder uh, with a roller suitably loaded up with paint. Well, it soon became apparent that a roller was not the appropriate tool for the job. The paint was splattering everywhere. I needed a paintbrush. I didn't have a paintbrush. I ransacked the house looking for one. The only paintbrush I had was a one-inch paintbrush, and it was in a bowl under the kitchen sink. Uh, I had a good look at it. It was only a little bit stiff. I had no idea what was on it. So I thought it would be fine once it had softened up a bit if I just rubbed it in the paint a few times. I had no idea what was on it. 30 minutes later, I was getting nowhere. An hour and a half later, I'd still covered only a tiny fraction of the ceiling, laboriously following all the comb shapes with my one-inch brush. After three hours, I gave up. It's the first time in my life where I've been reduced to tears of boredom, up a ladder, holding a one-inch brush. Looking at the ceiling, I convinced myself that no one would ever know. I mean, once it dried, no one would ever know. A white ceiling is a white ceiling, after all. You know, however, as you all know, I was wrong. For the next three years, I would lay in bed looking up at that white ceiling, half of it in a neat, shiny, satin finish, and half of it neatly painted, but in matte. We moved home in 1985. For all I know, that ceiling still looks like that today. Right, so back to the front room of the house we're viewing. What do the windows look like? What are they made of? What are the window frames made of? If they're wooden and single panes of glass, then they will need replacing. If the windows need replacing, how much will that cost? The best way for you to find out is to call a couple of local, non-national window companies. They are much more likely to help you on the telephone. If it's a two-bed Victorian terrace, then just ask, in round figures, how much would it cost to replace the windows on a two-bed Victorian terrace? Now, on a two-bed Victorian terrace, there might just be six windows. In addition, a front door and a back door. The window firm will know. They will have done this job dozens of times. They will give you a do-not-hold-me-to-this-price price. Write it down. That is really helpful for you. Are there any stains or discoloration under the window bay or round the chimney breast? What about the other walls in the house? If there are, there might be damp issues in the house and a report on damp might be required. Now, I have always found it useful to carry uh, a really, really cheap damp moisture meter in my bag. These are not the ones the expert use, but I've found that if you follow the instructions that the manufacturer provides, they do work and they are helpful. Now, you can get one online for 20 to 30 pounds, and if you use it correctly, it will indicate to you if you need to get a further investigation. If you need to get a professional in, then you can generally get a damp report done by a local contractor for free. All you need to do is to forewarn the vendor 
that you will need to make further appointments for members of your team to come along and have a more detailed look. Now, this shouldn't be a problem so long as you only get the minimum amount of further visits in place. You can't bring an army of tradesmen through the house preparing quotes at all different times of day or all different days of the week. That will spoil your deal. But just try and keep to the minimum. It's going to be fine. Back to the house. What do the electrical switches and visible wiring look like? In any event, it's really important to ask the vendor to guide you to the meter cupboard so that you can see how ancient the electric meters and associated wiring is. How badly does it need updating? Does it have a relatively new consumer unit? A rewire on a two-up, two-down Victoria tennis terrace where I work, that will probably cost in the region of £2,500. Obviously, it would be a higher figure for a larger house. Speak to an electrician who's local to where you are. They might give you a don't hold me to this price price on the phone and tell you what's required. Now, of course, you want to get rid of that pesky combed Artex and then the ceilings will need re-skimming. If you want to get rid of the old wallpaper, then usually, in my experience, the paper will take off uh, a lot of plaster from the walls with it. Uh, understandably as well, because that plaster could be decades old, might be blown in several areas. Now, this is one of the times when, in my view, trying to save money just does not work. Patching in old plaster with the new plaster always means that the finish is compromised and it's very, very labour intensive trying to get that smooth finish. You are better off take the plaster off the whole room and to re-skim it. I always allow for re-skimming of the whole room. Again, where I work, this can cost three to four hundred pound a room. That's the right price in the north of England at this time. Redecorating. Depending on what part of the country you're in, there will be a rate per room that will it will cost to get the job done. Now, do not skimp on using cheap paint. I have found from experience, if you use better quality paint, then you save on labour because you need less coats applied to cover the walls. And do not let your decorator water down the paint unless it's done in line with the manufacturer's instructions. If they put too, too much water in, you might as well use the cheap paint in the first place. One of our decorators used to sing while he was on the job to the tune of an old soup commercial from the 1970s, something like this. He'd go, uh, you get more paint if you water it down, much more paint if you water it down. He doesn't work with us anymore. Flooring. Find yourself a local flooring contractor. This will help you pick up the right specification. Again, in our two up, two down, I know that we can get the job done for £800 or we can get the job done for £1,500. It depends on the area. It depends on the tenant profile that you intend to house. It intends on whether maybe you want to use the house for serviced accommodation. For serviced accommodation, you need a higher specification. Big, chunky, fat underlay fitted underneath the carpet. But it will look great when it's finished. Now, boilers. The pesky subject of boilers. If the boiler needs replacing, 
very unlikely you'll go for a top-of-the-range boiler for a buy-to-let property. You will consider middle-range boilers and entry-level boilers. Now, my views have changed on this over the years. I always used to select mid-range boilers. I had it in my head that they would serve us better than using the entry-level boilers. But here's the thing. Mid-range boilers, they break down anyway. So today, I'm all about entry-level boilers. If they're going to break in two years, you might as well go for the cheapest one. And there's plenty of spares around. You can get them repaired. What about the cost of uh, supplying and fitting a boiler? In my area, fully fitted without too much pipe work updating, the cost is around £1,000. So you've done your inspection. You have a grasp of the works required. You've done your research. You've priced up the work. Very important tip here. Always give yourself a margin of error. Always add in a contingency sum. I usually add 10% to the cost of the works that I have in my mind. At least then, you know that you won't go too far wrong, and it's a pleasant surprise if you don't have to spend it. But you now have a grasp of the potential cost. What do you do now? Well, you need to work out the total cost of any works because that will affect your offer. Now, we'll talk about forming your offer in a different podcast. But loosely, if you consider the asking price for the property, take off a reduction to represent your required criteria, take off another reduction for the cost of the refurbishment according to your figures, take off the buying costs and stamp duty, take off your fee, then you will be getting close to the offer price. And one of the most important things about this process is you must not rush it. Take your time. Get your numbers right. I learned this the hard way. In the earlier days, I let my business partner take control of pricing the refurbishments. Now, he's a lovely man, my business partner, uh, and I love him dearly, but he can be a bit impatient. He can be a bit hasty. And you never get anywhere if you're too hasty. So in the early days, we had a couple of mishaps along the way. The first was a terraced property in Hanson Street in Oldham. He had priced up the cost of a refurbishment, not really noticing that there was a bump in the floor in the middle of the living room carpet. Now, it was quite a localised bump, but you did have to walk up one side and then down the other side. The bump was about the size of a dead body hidden beneath the carpet. However, it had escaped his attention. So the purchase completed, and once all the furniture had been removed, then the bump stood out more clearly. There was no way around it. We had to investigate with some trepidation as to what we might find under the bump. We went in. It was a costly, but a great learning experience for us. Under the carpet was a chipboard floor. The bump was now very obvious, and it was beneath one particular sheet of the chipboard. What could it be? 
Ultimately, we plucked up our courage. We removed the chipboard to reveal an original stone slab floor. Now, you don't see many of these, but I do admit that I have seen a few, so it's worth making the point to you. I always check for them now by jumping up and down and digging into the corner of a room to see if I can find any floorboards. With a slab stone floor, there are no floorboards. Now, the difficulty with stone slab floors is that the slabs are like a sponge. They suck up water. And the sheet of chipboard above the slab had warped because of the damp it it picked up from the slab. Disappointingly, there was no dead body. The previous owner had clearly laid the chipboard to try and stop the damp rising temporarily. It hadn't worked. There was only one way to fix it. You have to dig up the slabs. You have to take them away. Now, sometimes you can sell them uh, to a reclamation yard for a few pounds each, but you have to get rid of them. You have to get them out of the house. Then, in the big hole that's left, there's no timber there. You have to lay a new concrete floor throughout. Concrete throughout and wait for it to dry. Then on top of the concrete floor you put down a layer of asphalt and that is what keeps the the damp from rising. The damp can't come up through the asphalt. It works, but it has a cost. It's probably added a £1,000 to the refurb cost. So you see, you never get anywhere if you're too hasty. I hope this has helped. I hope now you've got a better idea how even as a beginner, a learner, you can go out and start pricing up your refurbs. The the key to this is practice. The key to it is experience. Practice on any house that you can get access to in those first 30 days. Make your list of things you need to check on. Get out there, start doing some viewing, start pricing up your refurbs. You're going to sell all of them. I'll see you very soon. Thank you for listening. I am David Siegler. See you on the next episode.